Listening to the SDSU Football Podcast, presented by the East Village Times, with your hosts Andre Hagverdian and Paul Garrison. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the SDSU Football Podcast. I am Andre Hagverdian, and joined by, as always, by Paul Garrison. What's going on, Paul? What's going on, Andre? Bye week, man. Big bye week. Gets to uh, get to turn my attention a little bit to basketball, which is which is starting up. It's busy, man. Busy, good things. Uh, you know, I don't know. Are we allowed to talk this week? So, are we allowed to talk after the Dodgers beat the Padres? Or is that, or how does that work out? Or the other way around, right? Not, not in my lifetime, no. But you know, yeah, we'll, I, we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed. As a Dodgers fan, as a lifelong Dodgers fan, I have. PTSD from postseason series, obviously. And I've seen the Dodgers lose to worse teams in the playoffs than the Padres are currently. So I would not. Um, I, it's a scary matchup for sure. The Padres are hot. They've got great starting pitching. Maybe not game one with Clevenger, but now that I say that, he's probably going to pitch six shutout innings. But it's a Let's scary matchup. It. Let's see it from, 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 from your mouth to reality, bro. I, I will say. If the Padres beat the Dodgers, I may have to take a few days away from Twitter just to, uh, you know, <laughs> to not drive myself insane because no, it's I... already bad enough. Sure, with some of some of Padres Twitter that I uh, that intersects with Aztecs Twitter. Obviously, there's a lot of Aztec in Padres fans. Yeah, it's bad enough when the Dodgers are beating the Padres in the regular season, but if the Padres actually do win the series, might need a few days away. Uh, I think that, Why I think having a bye week is perfect. It is. It is. It is. Um, are you uh, Are you getting to see any of these games? I've got tickets to Game Three and Game Four at Petco. Oh, see, role yeah. reversal. Guess who has tickets to Game One? You do. Yeah, bro. You're going yeah. to LA. I'm going to LA. Oh wow. Yeah, so I'm 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 looking forward to that. My my sons were begging me. And when I finally pulled the trigger to to do it, they were sold out in San Diego. And, uh, you know, my kids are 11 and nine. They're at that age where I got to show them a good time, man. So that way, when they're a little bit older, you know, they, they still want to hang out with pops, you know? I mean, there's some resale tickets for game three. I I, I already pulled the trigger, bro. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're going to Chavez Ravine, man. We're, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go on our Padres Brown. Made sure I didn't sit in the outfield. That kind of freaked me out with little kids. So we're in the infield up at the very top, but uh, we're going to see some family on our way up there. So, you know, it's it should be a good little time. Nice. Well, uh, enjoy the game. Hopefully uh, you guys are sad on the drive back to uh, San Diego. Sorry to say that. Even, even for Jack and Emmett. Wow. Wow. Well, remember, uh, they told me that you were a better rider than I was, flat out to my face. So... You know, they could have one night of. Uh, okay, but you got to remember, they also they also would say that I could beat you up. I mean, there's they they they're crazy. You know, they're like they're at that age where their dad can do no wrong, and I'm just like, gosh, when is that gonna wear away? You know, um, but yeah, it's pretty funny. All right, let's change the topic before this gets uh, more, more out of hand than we want. Obviously, you as you said, it's a bye week. Uh, before we kind of get into this most recent game and and look at it kind of from a first half of the season recap uh two things that kind of happened since we recently had since we recently recorded a podcast that we wanted to mention one was uh the sad passing of uh former aspect tight end aztec for life gavin escobar i believe about a week and a half ago the the night the night before the boise state game uh from a rock climbing accident Tragic news. Um, I believe he was 32, had just started the next chapter in his life as a firefighter, had a wife and children. Really sad to hear, you know, it kind of puts football and everything else we talk about in perspective. The team did a nice, you know, moment of silence. I believe his family was on the field with Coach Hoke uh, before the uh, most recent game against Hawaii. So just just a sad time, and and we send our condolences to the family and close friends uh, for sure for Gavin. Well said, and 
you know, I think that we, these athletes, you know, they're, they're obviously the best at everything than the best at humanity. You think that they're going to be able to just kind of be like that forever, you know, and we have those memories of, of him playing and things like that. And, you know, it's just how life is, man. None of us are guaranteed anything. And, you know, it's just a reminder to, to hug those that are close to you and to be able to, you know, have a little bit of, um, at least for me, just a little bit of perspective, right. About that. It is a game that we cover. It is a game that we talk about and yeah, we're passionate. Yes. We're all of those things, but at the end of the day, it's not life. You know, life is so much more valuable than anything that can happen on, on a playing field or on a court. Yeah, Hunter Hewitt, uh, former tight end from San Diego State, teammate of uh, of Gavin, uh, sent uh, tweeted out a GoFundMe, uh, calling it the it was a Gavin Escobar Legacy Fund. He asked us to share it, which we did. Um, I believe as of like yesterday, it was at sixty eight thousand dollars. So, kudos to Aztec Nation. Kudos, I'm sure Cowboy Nation, because he played for the Dallas Cowboys and just NFL family. You know, contributed to that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say before we moved on was, speaking of Hunter Hewitt, I kind of stumbled upon, I think somebody posted it on Twitter, a link, a YouTube link to GoAztecs.com where Hunter actually interviewed Gavin Escobar uh, when they were, I believe, seniors. And they was talking about Gavin's kind of hobby of, of painting and how he had gotten into painting as a youngster. It's, I think it was like a five-minute interview. Uh, it's on YouTube on the GoAztecs.com channel. Anyone that hasn't watched it yet, I think it, it's really cool video, obviously, uh, view of, you know, who he was as a person outside of the football field. So uh, definitely uh, I would recommend everybody look at that. The other uh, kind, of, kind of major news was the coaching shakeup uh, on the offense. Obviously, Jeff Hecklinski was relieved of duties uh, after the Boise State game. Jeff Horton got upgraded to offensive coordinator and Ryan Lindley came back. Uh, Ryan Lindley, who we had talked to back in May on the podcast, who's a grad analyst at Mississippi State. So it was a uh, definitely re-energized the, the, at least the team for one game and the fan base because Ryan is such a good person and uh, so many people have fond memories of him. But just kind of going back with Jeff Eklinski, obviously, we kind of saw this coming based on how the, the team had done. You know, even Heck had told us he understood this is a performance-based business. And, you know, at least through the first, you know, five games, the offense had not performed. So, but obviously I think John Schaefer tweeted it best when he talked about uh, thanking Heklinski for how gracious he was with the media, you know, asking about how we were doing, how about our families and things like that every time he spoke to us. So uh, definitely want to add on to that and say that we, we, I think both of us agree with, with what John Schaefer had tweeted and we wish him the best. Yeah, without question. And obviously he was uh, very generous with his time for this podcast and and with us and giving us insight into, you know, everything about the offense, um, you know, allowing us to understand his system a little bit better and things of that nature. But he was always very personable, helped me through a personal tragedy that, that you know, on the side that nobody needs to know about, um, but just have a ton of respect for him. And, and, and he's not going to be the... Uh, you know, the first good coach who, for whatever reason, things didn't work out in a particular place. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think the, it's weird kind of to talk about Gavin Escobar and then a coach is firing back to back, but in some ways it is fitting because at the end of the day, we are still talking about people and, you know, people matter more than, than anything else. And, and, um, at the same time, you know, it, it is a performance based thing. And, um, the offense was struggling and then it didn't come as a surprise that, that that's what took place. Yeah. So the Aztecs beat Hawaii 16 to 14 uh, on Saturday night. They are now three and three halfway through to season with six with their bye week. And then six games after that, before we get into kind of the overall half half season recap, um, obviously the big news was Jalen Maiden coming in at quarterback and throwing for over 300 yards and uh, leading the the game-winning drive capped off by Jack Browning's 26-yard field goal. Well, what do you make of, of what happened with the whole maiden thing for Saturday? I'm not really sure what to make of it. I mean, and just just to be perfectly honest with you, it, it's 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 just strange. Like I don't really feel like I've seen 
I've seen backup quarterbacks come in the game and they're way better than the, than the starter and they ignite something and you know, it, they win, but I've never seen a guy switch positions, not practice, not throwing the ball around since January, I guess. And then he goes and has one of the best passing days that we've seen from an Aztec quarterback, you know, in a long time, right? I mean, up there with, with Lucas Johnson's um, bowl game, et cetera. Just bizarre. I mean, that's the best way. It's it's legendary. It's it's wild. Um, so I, I, I'm not really sure what to make of it. It's what a Division One quarterback should be able to do, considering the way that Hawaii played them. But it's something that very few Aztec quarterbacks have been able to do. It's uh, he played confident. He played, and it, it it was remarkable. I mean, what, what did you make of it? Coach Hoke pretty much was was talking up all week that they expected Burmeister to be cleared. Now I'm thinking that was maybe just coach speak, and they actually never intended on Burmeister playing. Yeah, and I thought it would be Liu. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, Liu is going to start because right. he's been quarterback for the last nine months. <laughs> <laughs> or for the last, you know, his whole life, pretty much. Yeah. Right. But in the system, he's been there as a quarterback. So I, I, I don't, I don't. Obviously, we weren't at practice. We don't really know how practice went. But you know, Jalen got to start. He played really well. He did a lot of great things. Had a couple of plays that probably would want back, which is understandable. Um, I think the key, the the key was he, he wasn't looking to run at the first chance of pressure and he was more inclined to stay in the pocket and, and, you know, go through his progressions, go first guy's not open. Second, look for the second guy, look for the third guy, something we haven't really seen from the quarterbacks through the first five games. And I think that was part of it because we've, we both talked to wide receivers have been open all year. They're running, they ran the same routes for the most part on Saturday night, the offense, they did a couple, they had subtle changes, obviously a lot more uh, um, taking snaps under center instead of all shotgun, some more play action. But in, uh, for the end of, at the end of the day, the receivers were running the same routes that they've been running and getting open with. It's just that this time the quarterback was more, at least, I don't know, more confident or more trusting um, of the offensive line to kind of hold their blocks a little bit longer than even though it might look like they're not, they're going to give up the guy. And it's just being able to stay in the pocket and look for guys downfield, I think was a major difference. No, I completely agree. And and one of the things that I did subsequent to, to, to the game is I went back and looked at some of our work from um, the spring game that was close to COVID where, you know, we were basically the only people there looking through some of the stuff and then, and, and, and remembering and, and just doing all of that. You know, I think one of the, differences between that Jalen Maiden and the Jalen Maiden that we saw on Saturday um, was his decisiveness. Uh, he he was much more willing to say like, this is my receiver, one of these two receivers and, and go and, and, and be aggressive with it. And, and, and I think that, you know, for whatever reason, I think people are going to want to say, well, okay, if he was able to do this in one game, like he should have been the guy last year. He should have been the guy, all that stuff. And, you know, I, I think growth and, and things like that is, is it doesn't, it doesn't happen in that same linear fashion, you know? And so who's to say that, that switching to that side of the ball, switching to defense and working with Kurt Maddox, who told us that, you know, the thing that he needs to learn how to do is he needs to learn how to hit. He needs to learn how to play with that competitiveness and that fire that you you don't see from a quarterback. And so he definitely was was different in that way. But the thing where he was the absolute same was his pocket presence. Um, we talked to Jordan Brookshire, uh, one of the first people on the podcast, and he told us, he's like, the, the guy can work his feet. And he was better in the pocket than um, Brookshire and Johnson last year. Yeah. And that that really stood out his willingness to just kind of be there, and that really stood out on Saturday. I mean, I, the, the the thing I thought was was most impressive to me was how like at the very start of the game, um, and and you know kudos to Jeff Horton for these calls that they were not 
they were not, you didn't have to think very much about these passes. It was, it was short routes, curls, um, get it to the receivers, get it out quick. You know, not even, sometimes he wouldn't even drop. It was just, you know, go, um, which was really smart. But as, as the game wore on, he started to make quarterback plays. Um, so he, he started to, you know, start on, he would, his, his, his read was on the outside and then he would make his way back and, and he would find other guys, um, you know, his path to Tyrell Shavers where he rolls to his left and, and allow Shavers to be able to come all the way across the field for, you know, a 40 some yard gain. It, it was fantastic. And and those are kind of those playmaker plays that, that you would like to see from an athlete like him. But, um, I agree. He, he, he extended plays with his legs to, in, with, with the intention of passing as opposed to, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to beat everybody with, with how I run that said. It will be really interesting to see, because um, I I think I would agree with you that that I mean, the idea that Maiden, any any idea that Maiden is not the starter going forward um, would have to be coach speak, or he completely falls off the wagon in practice. But you know, what does it look like for Nevada when they have time to game plan for him, right? How do they treat it? Um, are are they gonna? I, I'm you know he was he wasn't um, he wasn't terribly accurate at times through behind receivers kind of so so are they gonna drop eight and they're gonna say okay you're gonna have to fit it into windows when you haven't been this precise in a long time but then if they do that now can they run the ball you know I mean there's just, there's all kinds of different things that that now come about but Jalen made it was was exciting. Um, and gosh, was he, wasn't he impressive in the post-game press conference? Yeah, absolutely. I think he, he did the on-field interview with CBS Sports. Then he spoke to us. And then he went on the, uh, the John Schaefer Aztec wrap-up show. And like every time he was asked about him, he wanted he deflected to teammates, coaches for preparing him, for embracing him. And like, yeah, we haven't heard too much. I that might be the first time we ever heard Jalen Maiden speak. I can't remember the last time he was in a in a press conference or anything. Do you? I I I, I happened to have a conversation with him. Um, it had it had it had to have been their pro day. It had to be their pro day. So I, I had a conversation with him on the side during that pro day, just and he was explaining, you know. Same kind of thing, though. He was explaining, you know, why he wanted to go to safety and 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 some of those things and just talking about how he really wanted to go after it. And I think that that he was all in, he, he repeated that to us at the, at the press conference, he was all in at, at playing safety. And, you know, it just, it seems like, you know, in that, that he was rewarded in this game for being team first. I, 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 it's just, it's terrific. Right. I mean, what, what a, what a great story and what a, what a, what a change to the season it, it could mean. You made a good point about, you know, there's tape on him now that other teams can look at because I Hawaii must cannot have prepared for Jalen Maiden to right, be no way. Uh, on the field. Cause I think he played like two games in Mississippi state, like three years ago. That's and he played against uh, Utah state, Utah Utah state. In the Utah state. but like they could not have expected him to be the star. No, the new, no new and new offensive coordinator and, and what that would look like and all that stuff. Absolutely. But now you've got, Teams will have film on him. We'll be better prepared for him. But then conversely, he'll have more time to watch film, correct the stuff that he didn't do so well. So, uh, yeah, there's I cannot see any any situation where Maiden is not the starter at Nevada. How the season goes from there, we'll see. But I, I cannot imagine that the team would rally behind Burmeister at this point, given how what Maiden just did. The, the biggest thing I wanted to also point out, I mean, third down conversions were huge in this game. Seven of 16. You know, the Aztecs, not only were they the worst passing offense in terms of yardage, they were the worst third down conversion team at 18%. And they were seven of 16 in this game. And that included several third and longs. I think there were two third and nines, consecutive third and nines on the same drive, I think, which they got their second field goal in the early in the fourth quarter that, um, those were one he ran for 10 yards and trucked the guy on the on the sideline and then he threw a pass to shavers that uh i, I think it was shavers for a first down but that just was was not happening so when you're able to convert those third and longs 
like your confidence has to soar from there. Agreed. And and I, I think, you know, talking about him trucking somebody, that's that's what I'm talking about with just that aggressiveness. You know, yeah. I, I'm not sure that he's trucking people um before that. And 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 that's also what I mean by by like he he as the game wore on, his quarterbacking, like him being a savvy quarterback really, really improved. I did thank appreciate you uh giving me a little shout out reminding Aztec Nation that that I said not to sleep on Jalen Maiden when it came to the QB competition. Um, don't look too closely or I'll start looking more like a broken clock that's right twice a year or twice a day, you know. It's just interesting. It's an it's just an interesting, interesting development and and um, you know, definitely something that they look forward to to covering as we move forward. It's funny. If you go back and listen to the podcast we did right before spring camp, mm-hmm. um, where we where in where you also when we were giving our predictions of who would be the starting quarterback and you went with Jalen Maiden. This is obviously right before we found out he went to he moved to safety. And but I, I also I said Will Haskell. Right. So you know, a lot has changed. Um, <laughs> then, I, well, I, I will say that after after um writing that article and then making that prediction and then uh hearing through the grapevine that he had uh he had switched positions, I didn't I didn't think that few months later those that article and that podcast yeah. would actually look pretty good <laughs> i thought i thought well i missed there <laughs> yeah what about uh what about the defense obviously they only gave up 14 points which is at the, uh, overall that's a good number but they're still not we're not we're still not seeing the same aztecs defense that we're accustomed to over the past you know decade no i completely agree with 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 both of those things and i think I think that's the, I don't know the right word, but that, that's kind of the bet that they've made when when you have been really good and now you've been just inconsistent. You've been really good at some times and really bad at others. Um, it, it's always just going to pale in comparison, you know? But yeah, I mean, they 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 gave up 14 points. I mean, that, that and, and one of them was on a long pass. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was, in an inopportune time to have the one scoring drive that they were going to sustain, you know, it was a bad time to have that happen. You know, Jalen Maiden's heroics are completely meaningless. And we're talking about, you know, a, a two and four team and like, well, maybe they can build off something with Maiden and things like that. We're not talking about a win if the defense wasn't what it was. And, and so to, to, there's not really a way to frame this to say that the defense played poorly. There are still elements, as you say, that, that that they're just not as dominant as they've been. I think it's it should be pretty troubling that um, Hawaii, like Boise State, had success running right up the middle because every team can do that. That's not something that you have to – every team has that in their offense. Every team runs that. Every team cares about that. You know, if anything, Hawaii didn't do it anywhere near as much as Boise State, and and maybe to their detriment, they they wanted to pass the ball and and couldn't really for the most part, um, with the exception, of course, of that one long pass. And so, I think being able to sure that up in the in if they're able to sure that big weakness up, I think that they have the potential to be really good in the second half because you know they're they're not they're not playing teams that are that are just dominant. I mean, that's just not who's on their schedule, um, dominant offensively. And, and so I think, you know, they, they can make some of these improvements, figure out whether it's scheme, you know, how this defense needs to work together. And then as they go forward, getting healthy, I, I, you know, they can be better than what they've been, you know, as, as pointed out in the article that, that came out this week, um, when they've been good, the Aztecs won. And when they, when, when they haven't been, their offense has not been able to pick them up and to provide that scoring margin. So I thought I mean 14 points. What, what, what do you what do you you know you you can't be upset with with 14 points. If you look at the defense overall, like I I look at the secondary and three of the five starters in the secondary have been replaced already. Replaced by week four, right? So Darius Barfield got replaced after one week uh by Devon Celestine. Uh, and then the both corners have been replaced. I think Noah Avenger got replaced in the Utah game or yeah, in the Utah game. And then Dallas branch got replaced by Noah Tumblin in the Toledo game. So 
three of you, 60% of your starters in the secondary have already switched out. I don't know if Coach Maddox would have expected that. Now they are rotating Barfield in, they are rotating Avenger and Branch in, but the other guys are getting, you know, the starts and the majority of the snaps. And then you look at McMorris and Baskerville, while they're still starting and they're still playing, like they're not playing up to how they played at the end of last year. And so if you factor all of that in, interesting stat. Per, so missed tackles have been a huge thing for the defense this year, right? Starting with the Arizona game where they missed like 30-something tackles. It hasn't been that high since then, but they still had glaring. If I asked you who leads the team in missed tackles, what would, what would your answer be? Missed tackles. Uh... Per, Pro football focused. I know. Sure, sure. The team I mean, you, 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 okay, so it's it okay. Now it it's not McMorris only because you just gave that whole little thing. So if 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 you're if you were doing that as a lead in to say that that's McMorris, that would make the most sense. But you know, it's to me, it would have to be either McMorris, Michael Shawcroft, or uh, Caden McDonald because they're in the middle of the field where all of these crossing routes and all these things have been. And so they, they would have the most opportunities to be able to make plays and and things like that. Obviously, Shawcroft did not miss very many tackles in that first game, so he probably got a good head start. That's just it, yeah. it's it's anyway. So where 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 are we at? So Shawcroft only has five, so he's not it. He's in the middle of the pack. But tied for first are McMorris and Caden McDonald with ten. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they're Bask- in the middle. They're in the middle of the defense. And CJ Baskerville is second or third, but tied right, for right, right. with nine. Yeah. That's those because are, those are your top three out of four. Hundred percent. But but yeah no but you yeah, know and I agree and and that goes to the point of we I asked Caden McDonald after the game I said you know how do how, these runs up the middle what what needs to happen and he said you know it's not the scheme we got to get off blocks we got to this and this and this and so a stat like that would kind of suggest to that because if you're um, Kurt Maddox and you're going to say where are we going to put the stress of our defense? You want it to be on Baskerville, McMorris, McDonald, um, Shawcroft. Like that's, that's, that's the heart and soul of, of, of where you want the tackles to be made. But you know, it also, it also speaks to those, the, all four of those players range. Um, The fact that they do play sideline to sideline and, you know, all of the arbitrary ideas of like what constitutes a missed tackle and all of those kinds yeah. of stuff but 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 that to me is like i mean i got them right i mean that's that's they're in the middle of the field so that would make the most sense that they would be the players who would have the most opportunities and who would also have the most opportunities to miss yeah so these are pro football focuses missed tackles the, i know the team teams missed tackles sometimes will vary slightly they were real close in arizona yeah total so Maybe they're one, we, some of these guys are one or two different from based on what the team has seen, but I think for the most part these these numbers are fairly accurate. But yeah, um, absolutely. But I just think I think they, I still think that that I, I think that you, taking them on face value, I right. think is is they they need an explanation and they need a story. So who who is Shawcroft tied with? He is he's by himself. Oh, okay. Five. Who's so, around four? So Darius Barfield has six, and then Laka Laka and Avenger have seven. Okay, so like I would go and say, like, that's a good stat to compare Laka Laka and Shawcroft because they're both yeah. in the middle of the field and they're both getting the same similar kind of stuff. And Shawcroft has way more opportunities and has less misses. Oh, right. Yeah. And so then when you're going and you're looking and you're saying, okay, well, why didn't Laka Laka start this last week? And you say, well, that, right? Or you go and you say, well, what is it that Sedarius, what is it that Sedarius Barfield doesn't do that Celestine does do? And you could point to something like that from the same position now over a few weeks and things like that. Celestine's tackling ability stands out from that position. Um, and and so I think like those kind of comparisons and those kind of explanation make make it understandable. As opposed to just saying, oh, okay, well, because again, I mean, I, I would say that like if you were to say that because Caden McDonald has 10 and Laka Laka has seven, therefore Laka Laka should be playing for McDonald. And it's like, no, no, that's that does not mean that in the in the slightest. I, I think it just depends how you use it and the narrative that you form around it. 
Yeah, I mean, Cooper McDonald, Jonah Tavai, and Shawcroft have like the lowest missed tackle percentage rate out of you know out of the main players. Des Malone is up there; is pretty good too. Mm, good tackler. Uh, these you look at these stats just to kind of help tell the story, but you know you have to add on to what you're actually seeing on the field and the circumstances and stuff. But like we can all agree that the defense has not played as well as we thought they would. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, while the offense can probably is probably the, mostly the blame for three losses, uh, the defense has you know played some part in that. Yeah, and 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 now kind of moving into the, the second half of the season a little bit, but on the same topic, I, I'm one of the things that that I did find interesting and and a, was I think a, a significant difference between um, Jeff Horton as the offensive coordinator and Jeff Eklinski is is they huddled right. And they, they just used more time and in, in, so they, they had their first five, they had their first three, five minute drives of the year. And part of that goes back to being better on third down, like you were talking about, but it also goes back to the fact that, you know, that's just not, uh, they, they played at a quicker pace. They had more possessions and having more possessions was more important um, under Heklinski than it is under Horton. Right. And so there, as a result, there is a higher point ceiling under Heklinski, but a lower floor, right? And conversely, there's a lower ceiling, but a higher floor because you have just less possessions. And so you, you the games are artificially more are closer. Um, and so I think that if you were looking at trends in the defense, I, I think the one part that is surprising is that they have been as good as expectations were and then suddenly were not right or they were able to turn it back on or they were able to so teams score in bunches against them in other words they score possession after possession it'll be interesting to see if cutting off a few of those possessions allows their defense to you know figure it out a little bit more on the sidelines having more time to be able to to study it and think about and analyze it or just that the teams aren't going to have the opportunity to find the weakness in the defense because they just have less chances to do it. Um, and so I think that's a, that's a really interesting change that um, Aztec fans are going to be able to see. Cause another story of the Hawaii game is that the, uh, it was only close because they kicked three field goals in the red zone. One of them, they missed. And if they don't do, if they make one more field goal, right. Or they um, score one more touchdown, it's not a close game um, relatively speaking. And so I think that's going to be another, we're kind of back to what they were a few years ago under Horton, where time of possession, limiting the number of, of um, drives. And then which elevates the importance of each drive just a little bit more. My early, my prediction before the season was that the Aztecs would be four and two at this point. Mm-hmm. So, in theory, they're only one game off from that. Um, yep. The Arizona game was the one that I had as a win, but I obviously thought the Toledo and Hawaii games would be, you know, bigger margins and they'd play better. And I definitely didn't expect uh, a coaching offensive coaching changes <laughs> after week five. But right. as we've as we pointed out, they they can they still control their own destiny to win the conference championship. The Boise loss doesn't get take that away from them. But they've got some really tough games. Games, it's funny, games that looked the toughest on their conference schedule at the beginning of season don't look as tough, maybe. And some of the games that maybe we thought was going to be fairly easy look a lot tougher, right? Like Fresno State, with Jake Hayner out, they've been struggling. And we don't know if Hayner's going to come back. So that game doesn't look as difficult. But then San Jose State is, I think they're 4-1. and one. They mm-hmm. got a vote in the in the AP poll this yeah, week. They're looking good. UNLV can put up points. Air Force, you know about their running game. So it, it's not a cakewalk of a schedule, six games remaining. Um nope. can they win all six? Sure. Can they lose, you know, four? Sure. Well, see, yeah. and that and that's the question that that needs to be asked is, you know, I, I'm I'm a little bit more of the uh let's give them bowl eligible first. Before before talking about them being, you know, conference championship conference contenders, um, because, you know, in, in in with all of the superlatives of Jalen Maiden's game with, you know, having a new offensive coordinator, 
with the defense only giving up 14 points, they beat arguably the worst team in the yeah. conference by two points at home. Again, I could be wrong. And, and, and here's the other thing. It could be wrong. Uh, and usually when I say that I'm going to be wrong compared to what a, a casino or a betting line, I usually mean like they're right and I'm wrong. But what on earth were they thinking giving the Aztecs three touchdowns plus against Hawaii? I mean, that's just the craziest line I'd ever seen in my life. But anyway, so me doing my own prognostication of, of being favorites, I can only see two games right now where I could say, okay, they're going to be favored. And that's Nevada at Nevada and at New Mexico. And then, you know, finding one win with Fresno state, which I don't know where Hayner is going to be. If, if it's severe, I can't imagine why you would rush back and not try to get ready for your NFL career, but you know, who knows? Uh, I mean, and then between Fresno state, air force, San Jose state, UNLV finding one more win there sitting here today. I don't, I don't, I'm not confident. I know where that's at. And, and, you know, they've been playing, you know, be tough the last few years anyway, they play San Jose state tough the last few years. They have a really good defense, you know, air force. You always kind of like getting them at the end of the year compared to the beginning of the year. They kind of wear down as the season goes on. So I, I, you know, just like to see, to, to see a little bit more from them before starting to think that, that they're, you know, one that they're the top team in the Western division because I, I don't think that they're close to, to that right now. I think what's also going to be critical is in how some of the main injuries bounce back. Mm-hmm. We obviously talked about Burmeister, his concussion, but uh, I think the two main injuries are Michael Shawcroft and Rasul Ugalu Masuli. Uh, Shawcroft was out. He was in the boot during practice. Um, he's got obviously two weeks in for the Nevada game. We'll see if he's able to come back. Uh, Ulugalu Masuli has already missed three games uh, with a right knee injury. Hopefully he can come back after the bye, but we'll, I guess, you know, we'll ask Coach Hope tomorrow at the press conference or on Tuesday on the press conference. We'll see what he says. You know, he's always pretty, pretty coy with, um, you know, especially with so far out with the bye week. But um, Dean Abdullah got injured uh, in the second quarter, I believe, and without the rest of the game, Tommy Mirabella took over. So having uh, Ulugalu back and Shawcroft back, I think is going to be critical. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, though, talking, you know, some of the positives for this season. Yeah. Um, Cade Bennett has been really good. Mm-hmm. He has, among guards in FBS, he's ranked second with a 91.3 pass blocking grade per PFF. That is pretty impressive. He has played really well. He had, His penalties have kind of ticked up over the last few games. Um, I don't think he had any of the first two or three games, and he's, and he's had a, a few in the last game, but he's done a really good job. He's made some really big blocks on some of the, the long runs in early in the season. So what what was kind of a concern coming into the season of who's going to replace, you know, who's going to be that left guard, um, I think he's solidified that pretty well. The other guys have played pretty well for the most part. Josh Simmons, is, you know, penalties have been a big thing for him. He had two more um, against Hawaii. But, you know, I'm I'm eager to see how the offensive line gels as the second half of the season comes on. If they have more stability at quarterback, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. But that's being a victim of your own success again. I mean, when you're 12 and two, three and three looks really bad. I know that there was a, a, a couple of uh, little fans that I brought home and they were just mad. They've lost more games this year than they <laughs> lost all of last year, you know. Uh, and I'm like, oh, you poor young little San Diego State, San, uh, San Diego sports fan. You, you, if you think that's heartache, um, but there's a, I think there's a lot of positives. I mean, Jack Browning. I mean, Jack Browning has been sensational. He's been, he's been so good. I think that uh, Jordan Bird and and his play. I mean, man, kudos to um, to to Geo or, or the EVT video guy. Did you that juke that he has on a pun of 84 where he puts I mean he, he makes him fall. Um and then he had, you know, he had and and that Chance Bell, I thought Chance Bell came back and yeah, he, he looked he looked like the explosive player 
that that we had seen in practice. Um, you know, you had said that he was your key to the game, and you know, he didn't quite get the number of carries to be that, but I think he was a couple away from 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 being that player. So I think that's really really positive. Um, he ran he ran hard, fast, hard, like yes. shot out of a cannon, fast. I it, it like it jumped out at me on his first carry, like oh wow. He almost looks faster than Jordan Bird on some of these carries. Completely. Know? Completely. And he looked like he was like taking out all the frustrations from the first half of the season. You know, after coming in with these high expectations, being the lead guy, showing what he can do, and then injuries and you know, offensive issues kind of derailed that. But he looked like he was, you know, letting all that anger and frustration out on, on that game. It was good to yeah. see. Yep. You, you don't like to see coaches get fired on any level on anything. Um, but Ryan Lindley coming back to the Mesa is, is a win for the program. I mean, there, there are a few people who are better proponents and have understand what the program is better than him. And, you know, they, they, they talk that they're going to be going out recruiting. I, I you kind of can't close your eyes and imagine any person who could recruit San Diego state better than their all-time leading passer who, you know, was the person who was at the helm at the beginning of this turnaround um, that's, you know, lasted the, these last 13 years. And and so I think that's a real positive. On the defensive side, um, I really think Desmond Malone is coming into his own. Um, he, he is, he is uh, you know, knock on wood, injuries and all that stuff. But he, he he's looking like he's on a pro NFL trajectory. His size is is something else, but but he's starting to play with with better confidence. You know, Jonah Tavai, I think, has just been all over the place, athletic. And you go back a few years, you know, where Rocky Long was subtly calling out the JC guys that they brought in for help, and they just weren't ready to help, and not knowing where Tavai would be, and then him coming in and just being this fan favorite, wearing ninety nine, and it was so weird looking at him on the field. And like, it's like an illusion because when he, when he, when he's, it's kind of, when he's out down in his stance, 99 looks like 66, yeah. you know? And so I'm like, am I seeing that right? And then I finally decided, no, that's, that's actually 99. And I'm texting Don, you know, get pictures, make sure you take pictures of, of him as wearing 99, you know? And so I think that's been very, very positive. Uh, Michael Shawcroft is not a positive just because of his injury, but, but before his injury, he was clearly playing his best football um you know you still have the 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 camaraderie that that's very evident between cooper and Caden mcdonald but i think there are there are a lot of positives um on this team breon penny um contributing and and being a you know realizing some of that that potential that everyone sees you know tyrell shavers talking about you know, sending out these cryptic tweets about you can't ask somebody who has no time to be patient and you know yeah. him talking with us in that same vein of thinking like I got to have, this has to work for me to reach my dreams. And then for him to go for eight, eight catches and, you know, 159 yards or whatever it was obviously being continuing to be 149. Thank you. Continuing to be like a really good red zone threat getting to, to Jesse Matthews. Hopefully we'll start getting into that again. Um, so th there is, uh, you know, Makai Shaw, a walk on, who was just tough as nails last game. I mean, those catches that he was making in traffic or along the sidelines have, have just, so there's, there's a ton of positive things. If, if you, if you're willing to look at them and then, and then of course going into the bye week you know, the, 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 the whole tenor of kind of everything changes because Jalen Maiden can throw the football like where on earth did that come from so i think there's a there's a ton of positives and and you know seeing how the rest of the season goes on because the one thing about the aztecs we talk about them wanting to become bowl eligible before they come get into that conference championship race but you know there's that they're going to be competitive and they're going to fight and and that's what brady hope teams do and um and and so it should be a great end of the year one guy to add to the mix max garrison hey yes you i agree um, I agree. You, I'll be honest with you. I did not pick this up during the game until you, I read your grades article. That oh, he, that he was uh, on kick returns. Yeah. Uh, next to uh, Jordan Bird. I honestly, that 
I, I just had, hadn't really been checking because nobody, everybody was kicking the bird's side. Well, and they also, and the, and the other thing too is, is they didn't have the first kickoff of the game was at the start of the second half. Oh and, yeah. That's true. And so, and so, and I, I don't know this is, if this is true or not, but I think I saw no, they, at least. They scored a touchdown in the second. Oh, that was in the third quarter. Yeah, third quarter. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. So weirdest thing. I think that I crossed Max Garrison's mother, Lisa, at mm-hmm. the game. And I, it was one of those where you kind of cross somebody and you're like, I'm not really sure. And then you go, oh, that is. And I turned around and I, and I, and I called her name, but the person kept walking. So I may not have. And literally as I was returning back, that was when he's standing there and he's returning kicks for the first time. So, and then the other probably advantage that I have for that is anytime the PA announcer goes, Max Garrison, I think he's talking to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, there so, you so I, you know, yeah, I wouldn't say, but, but I, I think that the, the journalist Arciega, uh, that, that you interviewed when you were doing your article on him and what yeah, they told us. Escarcega. Escarcega. Thank you. Um, I went for it though. I was, you know, I went for it. Escarcega, you know, what he told us about him being like a fast. Yeah. Next level. Like, like he just stands out to you. I think we've seen that even just in special teams, you know, um, like his explosion when the Boise state punter dropped that ball and he was like on him in a second, but, but you've seen it in other areas where he's been able to just like close gaps and, and have, um, a quickness about him that, that belies his age. And so, yeah, but that was, that was pretty exciting. And, and I, I do think that that's a very, he's on the field, every special teams he's, he's given everything he's got for the team. And I think, I think that his power, um, Chris Johnson, think he's another he's another positive uh played played a lot of cornerback uh, i'm yeah. not sure what it'll be going forward just with the red shirts and things like that but he also plays special teams um we need to we need to check what number how many what participations because he might be passing so he'll be going on special teams and continuing to do that um yeah there, i think there's there's a lot of positives um the offensive line as you mentioned um yeah they, they they're missing pieces and they're still growing pains but um they still open some big holes what are you saying chris johnson he's played four games out of six yeah so that's the they he's right at that point yeah. um he's right at that point they'll be making probably those decisions um they'll be making those decisions coming forward but it, but you know he's he's again i mean you know eric butler at the beginning of the year and and he was playing a little bit more so I, I there's a lot of positives. There's a ton of positives around this team, and it, it's it's sometimes can get it can it can get lost maybe in in the negatives, which you know we've spent plenty of times the last few weeks, you know, on those. Um, but I mean, Snapdragon Stadium. I mean, cool thing for me. Uh, my dad was able to go to the game this uh, this this week. Um, he had season tickets this year. The other stadium opened. So the guy's been to so many games, took me as a kid and stuff. And so there was, um, you know, a cool picture of my boys and him um, and me that Don was able to take for us from the field. And just, 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 just to be able to experience all that, he thought that Snapdragon was great, that, that it's, you know, that they did a really, really good job with it. Um, you know, there were 33,000 people at the game and i i think that that was a maybe a little bit i don't know the right there was but the concourses were full you're watching recruits that are walking around and it's like there's a vibe and an energy that was not at the old stadium i think they absolutely like got exactly what they were looking for in snapdragon um you know obviously it was difficult to to have some of that because of the the heat of the other games, you know, and it kind of got lost on it. But that first night game under the lights, um, you know, I thought was was just a great atmosphere. And obviously, um, the Padres that they were playing, and so you know that's going to keep some people at home and things like that. But it was a great crowd. Um, the stadium was more full than it had been, at least in the seats wise than in the, the other games. But again, the concourses were all still there. Everybody was partying and having a good time. Um, you know, the, the tailgating has been the thing again that San Diego has missed for all of these years with, with the chargers leaving. And then, and that's, so, I mean, just it, the list goes on and on for positives that, that um, have come from this Aztec football season. And, um, you know, expect a lot more positives going forward. 
Aztecs won't be at Snapdragon Stadium for about four weeks. Because wow, the huh? they've got the bye, and then they've got two road games before I think November 5th, UNLV comes here. But Snapdragon Stadium will have a postseason game Sunday night with the San Diego Wave. I will be there. I yeah. Will be there. And uh, hopefully San Diego will come out because it should be a great, great atmosphere, great game. And hopefully the Wave can uh, move on to the semifinals of the uh, playoffs with a win. And how does, how does I, for the, every soccer league seems to have their own playoff rules and things like that. So what, what, what's at stake on Sunday? So this is the quarterfinals. So if they win, they move on and, and play the, is it just one game or did they go home and home? Yeah, it's just one game. It's not okay. like uh European soccer rules. Got it. So where, yeah. where will the semifinals be? Or does it depend it, on the inside? No, the first and second seeds have buys and they'll host the winners of this weekend. Got it. So the Wave were the third seed, so they're hosting the sixth team. Or were they the fourth? They're the third seed. They're hosting the sixth seed. And if they win, they'll go on the road to the second seed next Saturday or next Sunday. Oh, man. Could you imagine if... if um, And then is is the finals at the stadium of the, the highest uh, seed? Where's the finals at? I think it's in Washington, D.C. Oh, very cool. Very I feel cool. there, I believe. I'm not sure, but it's a it's a neutral site. Game. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's awesome. So that, that's Sunday? Sunday night, yeah. What time? 7 p.m. Oh, man. I'm going to yeah. think about taking some kiddos out there, but that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a late one. Yeah, but the games are... 90 minutes so you're pretty much out of there by nine o'clock oh see that's that's a good point actually i take that well now that it's playoffs there might be like a 30 minute extra time and penalty kick so it could actually go a little bit past nine but it's still not a three and a half hour football game yeah no no doubt opener that was sold out and broke their attendance record and i think the second game would have broken the attendance record if the first one didn't exist No, what was they, the other they, one? They didn't sell tickets to the uh, upper deck. It was still, it was still eighteen thousand. Yeah, but that was. I thought it was the below. Record, it, the record was like twenty six or twenty seven thousand before. Oh, I saw a different number. Okay, 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 okay. You're more connected to the name. Okay, okay. I had, I thought I had seen a, a lower number. Eighteen thousand though is still yeah. a ridiculously good amount for a, for a soccer game. Yeah, yeah, I was at that. I was not at the first game because I was in Utah for the Utah game. But I was at the second one, and it was it was a great atmosphere. Now I was watching the Boise State game on my phone through most of that, and that kind of <laughs> soured that kind of soured my night. But I still uh, enjoyed myself. There you go. All right, that's gonna do it for us. Um, hopefully, you guys enjoyed. Hopefully, our recap of you know the first half of the season. Uh, we have a bye week coming up this weekend, uh, but we do have a special podcast episode coming this weekend. Uh, with an interview with a uh, with a, with a San Diego State legend um, that I think you guys will definitely enjoy. So keep keep out for the keep keep out keep a lookout for that one. Uh, should be coming this weekend. So uh, good night to all of you, and we'll talk to you guys next time. You are listening to the SDSU Football Podcast. Presented by the East Village Times with your hosts Andre Hagverdian and Paul Garrison.